You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. I'm Justin Poole and joining me, John Duke. We are here to talk the week in review as well as a number of other things with March Madness. The tournament is coming up. Brad Stevens, Isaiah Thomas, some commentary right after our last show at the uh, beginning of last week on Monday. So we got to hear some good stuff there. A spirited win against Golden State. We got to show some love, not some love. We got to show some respect to the Washington Wizards. Those topics and more coming up on Celtic Stuff Live. But John, we're really, really close to your favorite time of the year. And March Madness is upon us. I'm looking forward to getting absolutely toasted in the brackets. I know CLNS Radio's got <laughs> sort of a, a, a host bracketology kind of thing going where we're all going head to head. I guarantee you I come in in the bottom 10%. I suck at this. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, look, there's a reason why there's a whole, you know, there are different strategies out there, right? That, you know, this mascot could could kill this other mascot so you pick that team or you like the state that's my wife's favorite i like the state that team's from which was really effective for her when when uh you know we had al horford and joachim noah uh winning that back-to-back national championships for florida making me look like a fool so you know there's 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 a reason why even if you're a a learned basketball man like yourself uh you're not going to be able to do so well in these things but it's fun. It's hella fun. I mean, this is, uh, and I asked, I just used hella and I'm almost 40. Not exactly though. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's a great time of year. It's a great basketball. Not all the teams are great, but it's, it's just fun. It's, you find rooting allegiances and it's, it's kind of why the NFL has become good because of fantasy sports and all that. You have a rooting interest in things that you have really no other reason to root for. And then, you know, Often what happens is greatness happens. You know, you may have a, a bad Thursday of, 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 uh, of games, but then a great Friday or, you know, I think last year we had kind of a down first round, but the second round was dynamic. So this is going to be, uh, just, I think for those who like basketball, you know, yes, it's not the NBA product. You have to, you know, get over that. Uh, but once you get past that, it's just, it's great basketball. It's kids playing. A lot of them will never touch a ball after these games are played this, this coming week. And 
you know, that's, that's great that, you know, they're playing for everything that they got and their whole college careers. That is, that's pretty special. The and, tournament you know, is often better than NBA basketball for that reason alone. I don't get to watch a lot throughout the year. <clears throat> We've talked about this before. It was kind of disappointing last season because we weren't able to watch a number of the players in the tournament that we were hoping the Celtics would be able to draft. This year, I think we are going to see a number of the players. I've obviously spent a lot of time talking about Jason Tatum over the last, what, maybe month. There's some things. He's rising up in my draft board. I know really not on NBA DraftNet or DraftExpress.com. He's kind of everybody's positions are holding steady with the guards, Fultz, and Ball at the top. Josh Jackson, I think just based on pure athleticism there at Kansas, holding the number three spot. But Tatum is a little bit of a riser. He's, I think, entrenched in that fourth slot, at least on Draft Express. Now, we could talk about that a little bit. I know you absolutely love the Duke Blue Devils for obvious reasons, but they're on fire right now. Finished out their, their, what, ACC, correct? Am I right about that? This is how bad I am with college basketball. So they get the win. I'm rolling because (laughs) I literally have been watching college basketball this year, but I do love the tournament, but I really don't have a good footing in college ball. But I love watching the players that, especially when the Celtics have a high pick. And right now, there's lots of reasons to watch March Madness, college basketball, even some high school basketball with the pick coming up next year. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) You you don't really think about that, but but you're absolutely looking at the the 2018 mock draft as much as you're looking at the 2017 mock draft. And, you know, there's, it's it's not going to be before long where, uh, you know, we're talking about DeAndre Ayton and Luka Doncic and and all these other guys who are going to fill our, Michael Porter's another one, Wendell Carter, a Duke guy. I mean, these are the names that are going to be in our conversation here a year from now. But we'll put those guys on pause for a second. Let's talk about Jason Tatum. Uh, Duke, this is the first time that any team has won the ACC tournament playing four games in a row in four days. It's the first time it's ever happened. And so first of all, obviously, I'm, I'm incredibly, incredibly biased by the Duke Blue Devils. But let's talk about particularly Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum has taken – a team that was really listless. Really, he was really the only of all the freshmen. They have a number of great freshmen, Frank Jackson, Tatum, um, Harry Giles, who we talked a lot about probably earlier in the year. Um, still Marcus wearing Holden. the brace too, right? Still wearing the brace. Yeah. Man, and he would have been the pick too. If it wasn't a, what the second knee injury, now it's, now it's a gamble and he's in the middle of that first round for a team who wants to see if they can, you know, push on through, but he would have been the pick this time last year. We were talking about Harry yeah. Giles. He was he was the top of the board for sure. I mean, he was in the Markel Fultz position a year ago uh, in this draft, and you know things happened. And, and it was it wasn't from what I could tell, it wasn't actually an injury so much as a clean out. You know, try to he had the, had it done, and they had to go back in and kind of clean some things up. And you know, so he's still battling back, but I I think he had his best game of the year against. Uh, um, against Louisville and, 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 a, and a really good game against Carolina as well. So he's kind of rounding into form, you know, and, and at the right time, would he be, I think he'd be best served by coming back uh, and, and kind of trying to be the star. And next year's team will be another talented Duke team. But 
from what I've heard, uh, that's not going to happen. So he's he's done. But Tatum is the guy. Tatum is the guy who's who puts the team on his back at times. Uh, he's the guy who can get to the rack like no other Duke player can. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about Grayson Allen and he likes to kick and all that. And, and Luke Kennard has, was just phenomenal here this year, um, an All-American type year for him. But Tatum has that game that I think – as Celtics fans and as really as Paul Pierce fans, we can best appreciate. You know, he doesn't have the stunning athleticism of, of a Josh Jackson, uh, or even a Jalen Brown perhaps, but he's got that kind of silky smooth moves, uh, that finds his way to the basket. He can work in the mid range. He hasn't Dude, yet he kind is... of taken that outside to the three point, but he's, he's picking that up too. And, and I think that that's, that's something that, as he's kind of getting through the season, he's, he is extending that range about a bit about a bit further out and, and he's, he's rebounding a bit. He's got seven rebounds a game, often playing at the four position. So he's got reach. He's got size. You can absolutely see him in the front court next to Jay Crowder. Well, he's, team got, he's got the year. long wingspan. So I think yeah. that's the one thing that he's really got going for him. If you look at the way he draws contact, and I think this is a, an especially unique skill set for him, maybe versus some of the other guys in the draft. But he takes contact and still holds form on his shot. I love the form on his shot because his elbow is right out front every time he can take contact and he finishes really high because he has that high release and he's always got perfect wrist action. That wrist is pointing or his fingers are pointing to the ground at the end of the shot. It's really mechanically very sound and I think that range is going to easily extend for him. It's also the way that he finishes. I mean, we talk about criticizing Jalen Brown and this for me is not an either or or this is totally an and situation. I think these two players could coexist in the future in a rotation. But you look at the way Jalen Brown has that athleticism, but then when and we talked about this, sometimes when he gets to the basket, he doesn't know what he's doing with it. Tatum always knows what he's doing with it. He really has a plan. He's very fluid in the way that he goes to finish. And I, they have the knock on him. You said he doesn't have the jump out of the gym athleticism. I think he has crazy athleticism. I think the real knock is just the first step that's not there. But to your point, he's so smooth. And not only does he have that high release, but it's a nice quick release. And he's got kind of a natural fade, so he gets even a little bit more space. A lot of times when you see these players who are a little bit longer in college, they get their shot off, then they get to the pros and they're up against the real athletes, and that's when it really is a deterrent. I don't think he's going to have that problem. I think he's going to be ready to score day one. I think you're probably right. I think he's he, he's much more in line in terms of his ability to score and, and, and all of that. I, I think that when people are trying to compare him to a Josh Jackson or trying to compare him to guys like that, though, that's where he he probably fails in comparison. But what are we talking about here? I mean, it, it, I don't think that you know to say he's not the freakish athlete doesn't mean he's a bad basketball player. I mean, that we've kind of gotten to that point as as kind of NBA fans where we look at him like, well, you know, can he really? <laughs> you know, can he remember Brandon Roy? Remember Brandon Roy, yep. his knees had yeah, held up, but yep. that was the big knock yep. on him. He didn't have the jump out of the, and guess what else? Jamal Murray, last year, huge knock on him. Hey, the guy can ball, he can shoot, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the problem is, is he just doesn't have the athleticism, quote unquote, that you want from a high lottery pick. Remember? Absolutely. And, and, and I thought he plays, has played well, but I thought he played especially nice against the Celtics in their game against the Nuggets, the matchup this week. 
He did. No, he he played very well. I and you know the, to talk about size. I mean, I think just kind of looking at how how a player fits. I mean, we you look at those long arms of Tatum. I think you mentioned it. I was, and I was just kind of briefly going through the Draft Express measurements history. By the way, a, a wild new uh, the site there on Dude, Draft I Express. I like it on Great my job. phone. I love it on my phone. I haven't looked at it on the browser yet. yet. Oh, if you like it on the browser, I'm telling you, I love it on the phone. So there you go. Two, two five stars from the Celtics. There you go. (laughs) But he, you know, I was just looking to say, okay, well, what's, what, what's his, you know, comparable? And so his standing reach right now, uh, in terms of comparison with power forwards and small forwards is among the highest. I mean, in terms of his, his, he's he's killing everybody else in the draft. 6'11 wingspan. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and and for someone his size, uh, you know, he if you're saying he's a small forward, even if you're saying he's a power forward, you know, kind of that three four spot. I mean, obviously a higher um, higher ceiling of of a guy uh, than than Jay Crowder gives you, but that six eleven wingspan really allows you to 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 really defend the rim, perhaps. And Tatum was doing he had the the chase down block or had the the block at one end and then the huge finish uh, last, the other night there against the. Uh, Notre Dame to, in the ACC championship. I mean, those are the games, or that's the that that's the type of play that, you know, as you said, the athleticism. He has enough athleticism to compete in the NBA. Uh, it, it's much more about what you do with it and and how you use that athleticism. And I think, uh, as we saw right here uh, in Boston, that Paul Pierce is a guy who who went in the gym and and was a, a wizard. Uh was a guy who used every inch to his advantage. And I think Tatum has that same sort of uh sense of himself. Will he be a a, a Hall of Famer, a guy whose number goes in the rafters? Probably not, but he's not someone I would um hesitate to draft. This is not a situation like uh, as we talked about 10 years ago with you know where if you didn't have Durant, you didn't have Odin you're 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 really in a bad spot. I don't feel that way this year. No, I feel we could like fall potato. to four. We could fall to four, and it would be a okay. Yep. I saw you make yep. those comparisons to Paul Pierce on Twitter right after Nate Jones said Jason Tatum is just a hooper. He is polished. He's extremely polished. And I'll end yeah. I'll end the discussion on this, and we'll get back to the Celtics and and their prior week. And I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more about Jason Tatum after he gets a chance to perform here in March Madness in the tournament, and also Josh Jackson. But he's really polished for a 19-year-old, and he's just about 19 flat, too. He's one of the younger players in the draft still, and yet I love the way he moves the ball. I know Josh Jackson has higher assists and is also pretty court-aware for, you know, a wing-slash-power stretch four. But I think Tatum plays within the offense very well, and yet he continues to put up 20 points. But he really doesn't disrupt anybody else's uh you know, job or role in the offense. I think that's really big. When you're on a team, you kind of expect the Duke players, and we've talked about this before. I'm never really all that high on the Duke players, and part of it is because great coach, great system. So, you know, a lot of times that system makes players look better than they'll end up being in the NBA. But I think Tatum is a hard worker, and again, that was one of the things that drew me to Jalen Brown as well. I want workers. I know Brad wants workers. Ainge want work wants workers. And I think Tatum is a little scrappy too. And that's really what when you're looking for somebody who's going to translate to the NBA, I think that's extremely important. And here's one guy 
that I just think maybe one of you know coming out of Duke because of some of the measurables, even though it's not first step, but that length and the fundamentals that he has that polish, I actually have really high hopes for him in the NBA. So real quick, we got to tell you guys about the boatload of money you can make this week betting at mybookie.ag. If you haven't checked them out, this is the perfect time with March Madness getting underway into the action. It's here. Lay down some money and score big on college hoops. Are you sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout? Come join MyBookie today. You win, they pay. It's fast and without any hassles. You're wasting your time betting anywhere else. They even have in-game live betting, so you can place a bet right after tip-off. How about that? Join now, and MyBookie will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. That's right. If you join with $100, you'll get an extra $50 bankroll to play with by using our Celtic Stuff Live promo code CS50 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie AG today or call 844-900-BETS-PLAY. Win and get paid. So, John, we're going to talk more March Madness as the weeks come come go forward here and roll on. So let's table that a little bit. We're going to see a lot of the guys this year playing in the tournament, or at least hopefully. We don't see yeah. too many crazy upsets in the first round, but we'll get into the meat of that on next week's show. Let's look back at the week that just happened because I think mm. I said they would go 2-2 two and two and that they were going to go on a three-game <laughs> skid, which didn't happen. They wind up getting an awesome win against the Warriors in the wee, hour, wee hours of a Wednesday night in the middle of the week, but then they drop an absolute stink bomb to Denver, and then yesterday, Sunday afternoon game, nationally televised on ABC, they take one against Chicago, which really just laid a major goose egg. I'm not, I'm not even sure I can say that the Celtics played awesome in that game, but Chicago played so poorly that Boston, I think, got loose enough in front of the hometown crowd that they were happy to be back too, I'm sure, after that road trip and the way that that went, that, you know, they come away with the win, pretty easy win. Guys like Marcus Smart just raining threes. It's a good time. I enjoyed it. But that Phoenix loss was a bomb. They struggled against the Clippers, but the Denver one is the one that hurts, and they've lost both games against Denver this year. Oh, both games have been terrible games, really bad performances, dispirited effort, um, different reasons for those games. I mean, again, that was a situation where I think Emmanuel Moutier shot, you know, probably had his career high in three-pointers made. Uh, at this point, he's sort of like know, the first matchup against the Bulls at the very beginning yeah, of the season, no doubt. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it was only like a few days later. So it seems like there was – <laughs> Those things are related, but I, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but no, I mean, there's absolutely just a dispirited effort because, and it is, I mean, I suppose we should all probably have expected after you play the Warriors and, and play that well that that sort of thing's going to happen. But I guess in, in, you know, adding that, that loss to Denver to the, you know, the, the, <laughs> Terrible effort or a terrible closeout of the game against Phoenix and then a game that they should have won in L.A. Um, I don't want to say that Golden State win gets overshadowed, but because Golden State had played so poorly, because they were on the road, it was their first game back at home, it does kind of get kind of pushed under the rug when, you know, you have really three horrendous performances in a week and a lot of people are standing around looking at 
you know, looking around at each other saying, we got to do something. And I think the, the effort on Sunday against the Bulls is probably a reflection of that as much as anything. They knew they had to actually stand up and do something instead of just kind of standing by and, uh, you know, having a, one of those lackluster performances on a Sunday afternoon you, you, you can end up seeing so often. Well, Isaiah very vocal this week and obviously leading into the Bulls game a little upset that the Wizards had leapfrogged the Celtics in the standings and truly unnecessarily. They never should have slid like this. Um, not Phoenix and not really this week's game. I think two and two was a reasonable expectation for this past week, especially wrapping up the road trips. And I think you were a little concerned about that Bulls game coming home jet lagged, uh, after a long trip and, and understandably so. So two and two were totally reasonable, but it's, it, it was the week prior coming in. You know, they get this both Wednesdays, a win against Cleveland and a win against the Warriors, but preceded by, you know, some difficult games. It was almost like they were motivated to come out and only play the big ticket items on their schedule over the last two weeks. And it does feel that way. They lost the game against Atlanta. They lost the game against the Clippers, both, you know, both games on the Monday leading up to the big. It's almost like they were already looking ahead to Wednesday. Good thing they got the wins on those Wednesdays because it would be way uglier if not. But speaking of Isaiah being vocal during that frustration, I don't think we had a chance to talk about this on last week's show because I don't think it really came out until after we recorded. But Isaiah, you know, really kind of throwing the coach under the bus with some rotation comments and, you know, we, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be trying to figure this out at this point in the year. I think, you know, maybe Isaiah, or it was after the Clippers game. That's right. But Brad said that they're not as good as their record. So it was interesting. It never got out of hand, but you got to think that there were some conversations behind closed doors. Yeah. And, and that, you know, I think there was about a 24 hour period or maybe not even that after the comments made by, by uh, Isaiah, you know, say, look, that's not the time to, to experiment with, with lineups. And there's some truth on both sides. Let's be honest. And this is a this is not a hot take. This is a seven day old take, nearly at this point. So it's it's not even lukewarm at this point. But look, I mean, they're both right. The Celtics were without Jarebko and Horford. Okay, so you got to play. And Bradley on a minutes restriction. Sorry to cut right. you off, but Bradley no, just but got his minutes yeah. restriction lifted. I mean, it's it's just it's a lot. It's a lot to ask of of Brad to run any sort of regular rotation out there. Having said that, you know, was that the time to try Jay at, at center? Mm, probably not. So I, I can see both both guys' point, and I'm sure they talked it up. It was fine. It worked it out. You know, apparently right after he made the comments to the press, he kind of cooled off a sec, talked to Brad. Which, you know, and I think Brad is fine with that. He took care of it in-house. You know, <laughs> I think that we kind of are a little bit – we do kind of jump. Someone says something mildly um, – I don't want to say irritating, but mildly kind of, uh, you know, kind of gets the you know, the juices flowing a mildly bit. Mildly out of does, line in a moment well, of frustration. Because it, it, yeah, yeah, it is a little out of line, out of but it's not necessarily – okay. Yeah, you can understand it. 
I can understand where he's coming from, and I think it's okay. So, but and that's why I say, you know, like, look, it happens. You know, should should he have you know questioned his rotations when all that's going on? No. Should he have maybe caught the ball that Jay threw to him? Yes. Uh, you know, all, these are all a series of factors that kind of roll in together. Dude, that was so it, lazy. That was it so was. lazy. It was. I mean, I'm, I'm more bothered by it now than I was <laughs> after when we did the show. Yeah, you know, me right, too. You know, after Me too. That because it's just it's like coupled. It's it's the two things coupled because they really should have won that Clipper game, and I think that those pieces. And then you add to that the dispirited effort against you know the Nuggets, and it's like, come on, guys, we're in the middle of a of a really a playoff race. We're in the middle of you know an outside shot of getting the number one seed in the East, uh, and. You know, we're, we're putting these efforts together. Yes, people are hurt. Yes, we have minutes restrictions, but you know, man, we, we've got to, we've got to nut up here and, and do something. And against Golden State, they did that. And kudos, Phoenix that's great. and Nuggets, though, was un, absolutely Stop. unacceptable. Oh, Even, and yes, they should have won the Clippers game, but that was a game I thought they would lose. I mean, again, they're out on that West Coast trip and it's a second night of a back to back winnable. Absolutely. But, you know, understandable loss, certainly. Uh, that team is, is starting to get ready for their postseason run. Blake, you can just see why he would rip us apart, and he did. And that's going to happen most times we play the Clippers. Blake is going to have a good game. Got kind of lucky the last time that when they were in Boston for Paul Pierce's farewell. Um, you know, obviously CP3 not healthy for that game, but... They're always going to be a tough opponent, always, and especially on the road on the West Coast swing. But Phoenix, the Nuggets, and like Jokic, Jokic, the Joker, his first game back, he looked like death on wheels, man. He didn't even look like he was ready to play the game. His eyes were all (laughs) sunken in, hadn't played ball, and then next thing you know, he's going nuts. Now, I will tell you this. I I watched the Phoenix game and the Nuggets game uh, on League Pass, and... Sometimes with League Pass, you can't listen to Mike and Tommy. For some reason, it forces you to listen to the away broadcast or the home broadcast in this case because they were away. Um, and the referees for that, by the way. Well, may, yeah. May, but, but <laughs> they, they're trying screen. to silence Tommy. Oh, Fake yeah, news. no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Let's let's reduce the – well, I, I blame a lot of – League Pass is whack. But, yeah. but I yeah. will say this. This is a interesting sort of side note. We don't have to go down the road, but both of the announcers for the Nuggets and the Suns did not pass up an opportunity to make mention of Marcus Smart's sort of past. And yes, they say he overcome adversity, but the biggest highlighted note, that time he went into the stands and got in a fight with a fan. That is following him around the league right now, which I find so bizarre because I think he's been far enough removed that we don't have to treat him like Ron Artest anymore. Honestly, like, come on. (laughs) I mean, that was (laughs) – I mean, there there are two sides to that story, and neither of them are pretty. And to sit there and suggest that only look at that from one avenue is really – yeah, we talk about fake news. I mean, that's really bad, a bad effort on, on their part. But, you know, a lot of these local broadcasters, I would not put it past them to have that kind of, 
um, recall of, of, of events. I mean, it wasn't necessarily sensationalistic, yikes. and we're going to take our mid-show break here in a second, but it wasn't necessarily sensationalistic, but I just felt like it's probably a footnote that could be dropped off at this point just because it didn't even happen in the NBA. The guy's been in the league yeah. for three years, and other than maybe some criticism around flopping, yeah, he's an aggressive right. player, but it's not right. like he's throwing punches. It's not like he looks to be physically out of control or taunting. Like, none of those things are issues with Marcus Smart. So for me, it's sort of like, does it really need to be brought up? Like, and, and again, if it was just a Phoenix game, I wouldn't even say anything, but it's almost like it's on a sheet. That Comcast wheels around for the home broadcasters, and they like pull it up, and you know that's what the other teams' fans want to hear. They want a reason to kind of get a little sparked up against the player, the team that they're playing against, and I'm sure it punctuated the wins because the Celtics dropped it hard. All right. I want to talk about Jokic and Nurkic when we come back, but first I have to tell everybody about Blue Apron and their mission to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, and they set the highest quality standards for their community or artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers the seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. And I'll tell you what, John, we cooked um, falafel pitas this week. My wife thought there was no way she was going to like it, and I actually pick out the recipes, so I'm going all sneaky-sneak on the wife. But she uh, she loved the falafel pitas. They were amazing. So I can tell you, you're going to try things that you would never think to try by getting your subscription to Blue Apron. You can customize your recipes each week. Some of the upcoming meals, cashew chicken stir-fry with tango mandarins and jasmine rice, roasted pork with apple walnut and farro salad, crispy barramundi with quinoa and roasted carrot salad, udon noodle soup with miso and soft-boiled eggs. So go to blueapron.com, check out this week's menu, and because you're a loyal listener of Celtic Stuff Live, you'll get your first three meals for free with free shipping. It doesn't get much better than that go to blueapron.com slash celtics you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with blue apron so don't wait blue apron a better way to cook and another new sponsor SeatGeek. as the celtics playoff push heats up SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every game i love their app it is a seamless mobile experience you can buy tickets we're not just talking sports it's music it's entertainment it's comedy whatever's coming up in your area if you give them location services they'll tell you what's popular in your area they'll tell you sports it's a great app. It's very easy to navigate, and you're going to find the best best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest play of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for great value. They save you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites. They compare prices and find you amazing deals. So... You're going to get bang for your buck, and they're going to grade every ticket based on value so that you can help immediately identify the best seats to fit your budget. And every purchase, like I mentioned, fully guaranteed. So shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. It doesn't get, and it doesn't end with sports, as I said. But best of all, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. So to get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app. 
go to the settings tab, add a promo code, and enter CSL2017. What SeatGeek's going to do is they're going to send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code CSL2017 today. So, John, right before the break, we were talking about Jokic and how the Joker came back with deep-set eyes and really ran it up against the Celtics. They had two players that couldn't coexist, Jokic and Nurkic, so they spin Nurkic off to Portland. They grab uh, or they give up a first-round pick, and they get Mason Plumley, who I guess fits a little bit better. Interesting to give up on two young players that way and bring in, I guess, a veteran. But it seems like Portland really got Nurkic for a steal, and th- I think he's played three games. Maybe he's played a fourth, and I'm missing one from this weekend. But the three games he's played, he's played extremely well with an opportunity. He's a shooter. He can score. He can rebound, and he can dime. And th- those, I- I'm just wondering, do you think we missed an opportunity uh, to grab a player like that because clearly we could use that at the center position. And I love what Kelly Olynyk he's having another hot streak right now, and his ability to finish around the rim is about as strong as it's been since his time joining the Celtics out of the, coming out of the draft. But but no offense to Kelly, I still think, boy, would it be nice to get somebody like Nurkic in to play center. Larry H. Russell was hugely high on Jokic and Nurkic. I did an interview with him Saturday or uh, for the Sunday show. The first game against Denver was Sunday evening, and he was just talking about how the Celtics had to trade for one of those two guys. I know it's come up on our show a couple of times, maybe a little more light touch, but do you think we missed an opportunity? Because really, Nurkic looked like he could have been had for for relatively little. He did, uh, but I think where they are right now, it's it's a tough fit to bring him in. I mean, you bring him in, you're gonna have to pay him soon, and and every player that you add, unless they come off the books this summer, you're gonna left with a situation where you're gonna have to move him again. To get, to get the cap space you need to sign somebody. So, and if you're in a situation where you, let's say Gordon Hayward said, yeah, I'll come there and I'll sign the max. And then, you know, Mike Zarin's got to go find deals and Danny's got to find deals and Austin Angel's got to go find deals to clear the cap space. You never get a hundred cents on the dollar. So for a team that's hoarded all these chips for, for all these places, whatever it would have cost to get Nurkic. You would have gotten 75 cents back to, to try to get rid of him to clear his space, potentially. So what about Terry Rozier to, to pick, though? I know they love Terry. He had He's had some explosive uh, drives to the rim the over balls. the last week. But yeah, what about Rozier yeah. and one of those low first-round future picks? I mean, that would have cleared space because Rozier's on the books next year anyway for not much different than Nurkic's salary. That's kind of where I was looking at it was – that sort of similar balance play that you were looking at in maybe trading for, um, uh, oh, help me out, the Philadelphia uh, 76, Noel, well, right, yeah. similar kind of play, except I think Nurkic has got another year on his deal, whereas we would have been in a situation where we might have lost uh, Noel if we didn't take him in, and even if we did take him back and re-sign him, then you lose the cap space that you desperately need for a max free agent. 
Right. So, so next year, Nurkic, next summer, not this coming summer, but next summer after that, he, he'd be a restricted free agent. So he, he's extension eligible this summer, which is probably unlikely that he's going to get an extension. So you're really looking at somebody that's still going to be on their rookie deal next year. Um, but you, but you'd have, you have control of him. You have control, I should say, of Rozier for one additional year than you do, uh, for Nurkic. Now that's not the de- the only reason to do the deal, but you have to give up assets to get to get a guy like Nurkic. So, are you going to give up even one chip, two chips that you would need to get the second player, the third player, the other star players that you're going to need to build around the next iteration? I mean, does it make sense at all? Whether it's PJ Brown, well, see, Serge Ibaka, or Nurkic? I think it it definitely does because. Nurkic would get a chance to really showcase, and then maybe he is, like you said, you could still wind up flipping him. If you make the trade now at the deadline, you've got the ability to trade him anytime in the offseason and next year before he becomes a restricted free agent. Said receiving team still has the opportunity to match on any deal the following year. So it's not, yeah, it could be an expiring deal, but it doesn't have to be. But you take a center like that, put him on the Celtics team, it's going to get an opportunity to play, probably a lot of opportunity to play, whereas Terry Rozier is not getting much of an opportunity to increase his value in the eyes of other GMs. I guess that would be my only point there. Well, I think I think that's true in some cases. I think in another case, you know, Terry Rozier has actually played quite a bit, I think, over the last week, a lot more than I would have anticipated given uh, Bradley's return and return to full health and, and removal from any sort of minutes restriction. So I think that Rozier is beginning to get a bit of run and beginning to kind of bit of footing for himself, thankfully. Um, but Nurkic, then we got to talk about fit. So what sort of fit does he have here? Is he someone you can put next to, um, you know, Al Horford? Is he going to protect the rim well enough that, you know, to be that, that guy that you're looking for? I, I just, in terms of fit, I'm not sure he's the right guy here. Uh, Long term or short term. And so if you're going to spend the assets, I mean, that's basically what Rosier and a pick is basically what, uh, Toronto had to give up, uh, for, uh, Serge Ibaka, who is a much more accomplished player, who's done a lot more. Uh, and I would, you know, you could argue in terms of being at different ends of their career, but he would certainly be a better help for where this team is right now. Um, I just, I think that the issue is, is like, perhaps you could have done that, you know, and I wouldn't have been up, upset about it in any way, but I think that they're really, their focus is so much on this summer and about the next, the next edition of the Celtics team in terms of roster building that anything that really distracts from that is, is a problem that they're going to have to correct. They have everything lined up for the summer and Nurkic is, would have been a type of player or I should say contract. Uh, that could have created yet another issue that they're going to have to resolve before signing a max free agent and whatever the next move would be. All right, well, we'll put that one to rest. That'll be enough negativity from the loss to the Nuggets <laughs> from this past week. Let's talk about the good things from last week. And that Golden State Warriors game, especially the fourth quarter and the waning minutes, the way that this Celtics team on the road just absolutely closed that game out was impressive. I loved 
the defense by Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley on Steph Curry, the way that they did those doubles up in the corner, that was just beautiful magic. And they really disrupted the offense when it, when they needed to the most. I will say this about Golden State though, curious substitution patterns in the fourth quarter. It didn't seem like, um, they really got their players out there early enough in the fourth to get the momentum going to take that game away. Felt like the Celtics had their foot down on the pedal long before Steve Kerr subbed in Curry. And I can't remember if Clay Thompson was out there or not, but it was sort of curious. Now, of course, the Celtics, the only team in the league to be able to take the Golden State Warriors on their own home court two years in a row. So that's, that's pretty impressive work. However, they also, Golden State, I mean, did not have Durant in either of those matchups either. Right. And, and that, <laughs> that makes a big impact, right? I mean, the, the apple of our eye from this summer is, is not part of the equation. I mean, that, you mean the rotten apple of our eye. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm having July we don't Force have flashbacks. To go now, but it's just July Force flashbacks. They're coming back to Dude, it right ruined now. my whole holiday weekend. <laughs> and if you said Tom Brady, never mind. I'm not going down this road again. <laughs> Everyone wants to hear you melt down right now. They Once do. Again, they do love the pool of meltdown. Not. There's no doubt. Justin's <laughs> getting angry. Well, here we go again. Hit the skip button. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Anyway, the rotten apple of our eye from July 4th weekend. Take it from there. (laughs) Well, no, I just, you know, I mean, that makes, it does. It makes a big impact. But let's, let's look at that team right now. I mean, that team is the one that won 73, you know, won 100 billion games last year and was one, uh, (laughs) one Draymond uh, Green uh, errant, uh, uh, body part thrown up towards somebody uh, away from being uh, NBA two-time defending NBA champions at this point and potentially not having Kevin Durant. So the idea that somehow, you know, that that's not, that doesn't count is, is just crazy. I mean, this, that team was good before Durant joined them. There's no reason they should be taking 18 steps back as, as a team just because he's out. Um, I think it's wide open in the West right now. I really Spurs do. Spurs are knocking, man. Spurs well, are knocking on the I'm, door. I'm worried about Aldridge, though. I mean, having him out in an arrhythmia, you know, you never really know at that age. Big men and, and hearts are something as, yeah, you know, as we all know. Jeff Green. Yeah, we, yeah, I mean, that's just something you, you, you never know with that. I mean, an arrhythmia is, is a little bit different, but still, I mean, hearts and big men, I, I worry about. Yeah, Having said that, though, yeah, I think, I, I think, I think it opens the door for a team like Houston, and I think the, the team is, I, I think the door is open for Boston. I think the team, the door is Do open for Washington. You think Houston can close the gap, though? That's, well, well, maybe it opens hot. in the postseason, but that's, they're seven right. games back, and they've got, no. Somewhere around 15 to 16 games. I mean, they, they're they not going to be able to take it in the standings, but they might be able to make noise in the postseason. I, I, that's, yeah. I mean, they're good. I mean, they're they're a good team. I would like to see that, that Houston team get hot and maybe try to, uh, you know, extend some things right now. Um, basically, at, at, the, at the point where we're recording this, uh, we don't have the results of the, uh, the Cleveland-Houston uh, game that's going on right now. Um, it's still close, so 
<laughs> we won't try to let the cat out of the bag on that one. But uh, and some of you will be saying, "Hey, but so and so won." Well, we're not going to get into that right now. But but it's a good team, and and Houston is a team where they're so strong with the three ball. They could, you know, if they get hot, they could be a team that could just just run through that uh, through that Western Conference. I mean, we certainly saw with. With Dan Tony's sons teams, they had a bit of bad luck, but they were able to, they were never, and they were never able to get past the Spurs, but maybe the luck will turn their way this year. Uh, I, I would just love to see a chance where the Celtics, um, could have a similar kind of, you know, run of luck here, and, and maybe they could do some damage in the playoffs. The, the East is similarly wide open. You know, and while we're a bit probably well, down. Wait, with- hold on. Before we transition, I'll just make one comment. It would be awesome to see Houston Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. I think awesome. that's, I think that's a very real possibility. It means Houston's got to get past San Antonio likely, assuming everyone, everything holds to where it is right now, but. But the pace of play in that game, and be, you just know Harden is, yeah. is bullseye, like he will be insane in that series. I would, I would think so. I would think so. I mean, there's, there's just, uh, there's just no way in which, uh, this team, uh, or there's no way in which those teams, uh, wouldn't be just the most uh, stunning basketball, uh, you know, offensive basketball, you know, probably I, <laughs> Jim O'Brien, Dick Harder, uh, you know, Jeff Van Gundy might be cringing, <laughs> but you know, those, yeah, not, not that's their the brand of ball. <laughs> right. No, not at all. All right, so the Easter Conference is wide open, but the Wizards, man, I mean, I know we talked a little bit about it in the first segment about how Isaiah, well, we, I think Jay King had a nice article on uh, Jay Crowder talking to Isaiah and how Isaiah was upset about Washington leapfrogging the standings, and everybody says we have to focus on ourselves, and we don't look at the standings, but clearly they do, and Isaiah just being honest about it. So... Jay trying to talk him off the ledge a little bit. Don't worry, we gotta, they do have a great schedule. There's no doubt. I think, uh, they travel one quarter the distance that the average NBA team will for the rest of the year. And they're almost exclusively at home and every road game is against an Eastern. I think what they play 10 out of the last 15 at home and the other five are all within the Eastern conference and very, very close by. So that's great news. For the Celtics, however, they also, and I think the teams they're playing against are all collectively pretty well below 500 type of clubs. But you know what? Look at Phoenix. Look at Denver. The Celtics have a way of lowering their standard of play to the opponents. I don't want to take it for granted, but it certainly bodes well. They do play nicely at home, and that crowd gives them the lift. So that's that's a positive thing. But the Wizards, man... They they might have a tougher schedule, but they seem to want it pretty bad right now. They do. Uh, I, I'm going to say though, like Golden State, they're a bit they're a bit of a house of cards. Um, not that wasn't trying to go with a bit of a DC pun there, but it does work, doesn't oh, it? That was um, good. that was Netflix and good for you. <laughs> uh, Frank Underwood, ladies and gentlemen, I love that. Yeah. Um, I love look, the cufflinks. I mean, oh, if, the we're cufflinks. Gonna, if we're gonna throw That's out Frank you. Underwood, we gotta, we gotta talk about the, we gotta just mention the cufflinks. It was fantastic. Hold on, hold on. See if you can hear this. 
There we go. That was me, you know, he does the, uh, the thing he knocks his, his ring on the table. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so, anyway, we're talking about the, the Wizards. They do want it, but here's the problem with the Wizards. They're, they're, they are entirely reliant on a, a, a five-man rotation. Now this is, this, they are in marked contrast to the Celtics, right? I mean, they've got Wall, they got Beal. I mean, two dynamite scorers, dynamite players. Uh, Otto Porter's gonna make a whole lot of money somewhere else this summer. Uh, uh, Peter Bogdanovich, I mean, Bojan Bogdanovich, uh, has been, you know, on, at times, uh, 30 points, uh, throwing that in. And we all know that Gortat, going back to the 2009, you know, uh, battles with the Magic was, is, is a formidable center. Great players, right? But after that, who are we talking about? We're talking about Kelly Oubre? You know, is that gonna, Markeith Morris gonna really, you know, put a fear of God in you? No. I mean, the Celtics are a deeper team. They've got, you know, from one to ten. Now we see over and over in the playoffs, though, that starting teams can win. But let's go, let's go back and let's look at Bradley Beal's injury history. Let's look at John Wall's injury history. Let's look at. I mean, I just think that there's a bit of a, again, a house of cards effect there, where somebody's going to push uh, the proverbial Bradley Beal in front of the subway car, and and there's going to be someone that gets hurt. Sorry for the spoiler alert three years later. But I think that, that that's a team where somebody goes down, something goes wrong, and they fall out of it. You know, they are, they've got everything humming along perfectly. And they haven't, they've had a really strong bad luck. So maybe this is the time they get it together, but they put so much base, so much emphasis on that starting unit that really the rest of their team kind of struggles. I think that this matchup a week from from today, Monday, uh, against the Wizards is really going to say quite a bit about the Celtics' ability not just to stand up with the Wizards, but to to, to maybe push back in the entire Eastern Conference race to say, no, we're in this and we mean it. Well, they got to stay healthy to close out the year, which they didn't do last season. They have to make noise in getting out of the first round and being extremely competitive in the second round, if not going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Those are really on the must-do list for this season. And it has been nice because they've sort of shed these injuries, knock on wood with Frank Underwood's ring, and pray <laughs> that <laughs> pray that pray that it stays that way. But they also have to develop the killer instinct that they're going to need in the postseason. It's a whole different ball of wax when the opposing coach gets a chance to game plan. That could be very positive for, for Brad. It could be very negative for Isaiah Thomas. I don't know what we're going to get in the postseason. Your point is well taken. They need that second seed. They yep. need to hold home, that home second game. seed. And even if they wind up playing Washington, that would be fantastic if that was their matchup. I mean, the way that that bad blood between the two teams has evolved mm-hmm. over this season, what a great matchup in the second round of the postseason this year for the chance to play the Cleveland Cavaliers, which is likely how that will all shake out. I mean, certainly the Celtics could take Cleveland in the standings. It's a possibility. But in all likelihood, Cleveland goes one and Boston-Washington 
Washington are two and three. So to your point, it would be excellent if the Celtics could hold on to that two spot, set the tone with Washington, and make Washington work really hard with a harder schedule down the stretch to be able to stay and try to challenge the Celtics, and then we we see them in the second round. That would be ideal. It would be good for the NBA. It would be good for our entertainment value. And it will definitely, I think, that game, like you said, a week from today, will 100% set the tone for, you know, what we might expect in the postseason. You know it's going to be scrappy. You know it's going to get ugly. And it's going to be a fun one. In the meantime, though, when you look at the games on the docket, I think we said there's five games that are going to be on the road before the Celtics close out the season. So 10 at home, 5 on the road, and two of them are this week, and they're against the lowly Nets and the 76ers. Um, and I know we're not talking about next Monday's game when we do our predictions and whatnot, but there is that letdown ability. I almost wonder if they won't be ready for that game a little bit. I could see them getting caught with a sucker punch. Well, I... I... I no, I, I don't think so. I think I think at once you think, think they're too good, fired up. I think they're going to be loaded for bear. I think Isaiah has got that circled on his calendar already. Um, and, and I'd also add this. So right, the, the Washington Wizards have been a tremendous home team. They're twenty six and nine. The Celtics are twenty two and nine. So the Celtics have had four less opportunities to match that home record. But let's talk about their road the road records right now. The Celtics are twenty and sixteen on the road. The Wizards are fifteen and fifteen on the road. Okay. Now let me let me just read to you real quickly here. This is this is from March twenty fifth. All right. They play the Cavs, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Jazz, and the Warriors. Okay. So they play five games. Right there in the row at, at the end of the month. Those are all on the road. So I think yeah, they by, haven't had they haven't had their West Coast swing, and exactly. they could suffer some similar fate that we just saw the Celtics. That so that gap gets closed, but right. you know it may if not be win, a truthful gap because there's some reconciliation to be done here. Absolutely. I mean, you win you win that game against against the Wizards at home. Uh, if you're the Celtics, you win that game at home. Uh, you tie up the season series, and then they've got to go off Send them and packing finish, out west. Yep. finish the month on the road while you're sitting at home, and you're going to be playing teams like the Suns, Heat, Bucks, who are paddling for a playoff spot, the Magic, the Knicks. Um, yeah, so that should go. That should <laughs> that favors Boston pretty heavily, and that really hurts the Wizards pretty heavily. So if Boston it, does what they're supposed to do. They actually yeah. do have a shot at toppling Cleveland or making it really close. Yeah. The, and they both. beat Cleveland twice, so the tiebreaker is right there. I mean, it's 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 in play. There's no doubt. It's not like Cleveland just owns the tiebreaker and, you know, because they've kicked the Celtics, the crap out of the Celtics all year. Celtics right. got two wins against Cleveland. That's a really good sign no. for them. No, no, no. They, got, they only got one. They lost That's, two. Oh, one I thought they won one. No, I mean no. I thought but they, they won the second up. one earlier. But no, they've got one more April fifth, and right. that one's at home. So if they can take exactly. that one, then the then the tiebreaker it'll right. get them a game in the standings, and it'll it'll even them up in the season series on the tiebreaker. That's what but it is. If you if you take Brooklyn, I mean if you take the Bucks out of it, you've got Atlanta and Cleveland, and I'm, I'm going to take the the Heat out of it too. I mean, other than the Wizards, the Cleveland is the only. 
I, I, I really team you you know, playoff team. I will Toronto right now. Well, we're not playing Toronto. That's what I'm saying. Oh, like, oh down the stretch of the season, there are guy. so you have you know. I mean, you got 20 games left, and you've only got a handful of those, a really small handful against elite teams. You've gotten that out, all that out of your schedule. A lot of it is at home. I mean, I just think the Celtics are really primed here. But they have to take advantage of it. And they didn't take advantage of it in Phoenix. They didn't take advantage of it when they had a good, a good lead against the Clippers. And they didn't take advantage of it in Denver. This is where they have to show some, um, resiliency. Ability. Well, resiliency and, and, and poise of situation. They're a young team still. I mean, that this is, you know, while Isaiah is, is on one end, uh, Horford is, is certainly an older player. They still are a largely a roster of younger players. They need to build that poise and need to have that poise to, to compete through this last stretch. Because if they do, they'll be a two, a solid two, and with a chance to, to move upward if, if things don't break Cleveland's way. I, I really like where we are. I, I think we're in a, in, in a really good position in terms of the, the schedule. But, well, and play, I think it favors on, staying on the, on the court, healthy. Not in yeah, and I think it favors staying healthy just by being at home, regular routine, sleep in your own bed, with the training staff, in your training facilities, like, those things I think matter and the toils or the toll, sorry, not the toils. I don't even know where that came from. The toll of travel is I think where a lot of the injuries come from. You get a little worn down. You're on the plane. I know they got, you know, they're not flying coach anymore these days. That obviously would uh, wear and tear on an NBA body. But I think that, I think that this bodes well for them staying healthy too, which is a major mm. fingers crossed. And again, just, you know, whatever mojo to send it the right way, but you're right. They're positioned well. I think it's a throwaway kind of prediction week, but let's make our predictions for this week. And if there's any time, maybe we talk a little bit about Dwayne Wade and, uh, you know, some of the comments that he made at the end of the game yesterday. We got about five minutes, but I'm looking at it. I'm going to look at. I, I hate that Timberwolves game. I The same way I hate playing the Pelicans. It's just <laughs> nerve-wracking. So they get two days off, which is also nerve-wracking for me. They they get kind of a a win that, that, that makes them maybe look better than they were in the matchup against Chicago on Sunday. Then they go two days off, and then they play the dreaded front-court awesome mania that, you know, is either Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna Wait what? Wait, 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 wait. no. Wait, what are you talking about? Timberwolves. Timberwolves, Timberwolves yeah, Wednesday. Carl Anthony Towns. Don't Anthony right. Davis. I said but no, the two of them give the Celtics fits. So I oh. dread I said I dread Carl Anthony Towns and I Anthony see. Davis. Okay. Sorry. Equally against the Celtics, so sorry. No, I, sorry. I definitely said cat, no doubt. I you would no, no, you did. I thought you were oh. saying that they were both playing for the Timberwolves. Oh. Like, <laughs> holy cat! Whoa! No, 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 no but that would be something. Okay. Wouldn't that be something? I've but, had a long weekend, but I, you know, I just anyway. Sorry, go ahead. All I'm saying is, I, I fear both of them. Bad yeah. teams, great players on yeah. bad teams, and they've bit us in the ass, and they could again. So yeah. I'm looking at that game. And so much of me doesn't want to give them a three and zero week because I've given them two and two weeks, but I'm I'm finally going to drink Kool Aid on a prediction for this week. It's been a long time. 
I'm gonna go three and zero. I feel like the Nets and the 76ers next Sunday, foregone conclusion wins, especially with them beat out with the 76ers and the Nets. Just yeah, they'll play the Celtics tough, but they're the Nets. So the only game that even scares me at all is is Thibodeau's T Wolves. But I'm gonna go three and zero this week. What's your take? I I am too. I I think the Nets are. No, a home game after, you know, with some days off. I mean, yeah, there's some, some concern, but I really think that they're locked in right now. I mean, I, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy because how can you say that after you watch the week you just had? But I really feel like there, there's a focus right now. They've got to get things right so that when they're playing the, the Wizards there Monday the 20th, a week from today, all side, all, but they're at all, everyone's at all battle stations and ready to, uh, you know, attack. And, and unfortunately playing the Wolves, Nets, and Sixers doesn't exactly give you the best test that you need. But I, I really do think that, uh, they're gonna, they're gonna really put the hammer to all three teams, actually. It's a weak um, week. There's no, it, doubt. it really is. And, you know, that's okay. I, you know, hey, sometimes you need that to kind of gel a little bit. They've had a lot of ups and downs and luckily the, the, the road trip after the Timberwolves game is, you know, it's New York and Philly, which is, you know, basically that's, you know, that's a weekend for it's you. It's not a basically. road trip at all. That's right. Yeah. It's I a mean, bus like trip coming up here. Yeah. 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 No doubt. So I mean, it's not bad. And, and, you know, yeah, I wish there was a day in between going to Philly and coming back home and to play a, a Monday night game. But it's a day game. It's a one o'clock game on Sunday. Um, so I, I think three and zero. If they can't go three and zero this week, we got some real problems to talk about. I, I feel even oh, more say that. about that than uh, I did, you know, on the on the West Coast. So oh no, oh that that was that was the ultimate jakes right there. All right, again, <laughs> let's just stay healthy and do yeah. your job. Just do, do your job. Your job. That's All right. right, so listen, real quick, we'll wrap on this. The Celtics take down the Bulls in, an, in really an ugly one for the Bulls. What did they? They made one shot out of their first 19, I think it yeah. was. So they shot 5%, only had nine points in the first quarter. Dwayne Wade, a minus 37, with a couple of comments about whether or not you'd have to go around the room person by person to see if all the players were really putting in their best effort to make the postseason. And another comment, and maybe I'm taking this a little out of context because I'm not sure it, it, it sounds worse giving you the clip than I think it really was when he gave the quote. But when asked about, you know, their sort of some of those, those struggles and what, what they've seen this season and the young players specifically and their effort, he said, I wish you, I wish you guys could ask upper management that question. I'm getting kind of sick of answering it. And I, and I respect that sort of similar. We're going to give Isaiah a pass for speaking out of frustration, but I think what one of the other comments was the Celtics have had a couple of like little bump, bumpy skids, but the Bulls have been dealing with what we would consider to be a bad week really has been their bad year. You know, first of all, first of all, because a lot there, but let's start with this one. Hey, hey, Dwayne, Wayne, 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 Wayne. Okay. Dwayne, buddy. Uh, first time, long time. Listen, here's a thought. Don't go in the plus minus column minus 37 before you start running your mouth. There's, there's one. There's one thing. Two, I think he's right about the second part, which is 
This team is rudderless. It's utterly a, a complete joke. And that does start up on high. I mean, should they have signed him? No. But that's their mistake, not his. Should they have signed Rondo? Hell no. You know, you're supposed to create, you've brought this head coach in to try to do the, the Brad Stevens 2.0, pace and space and spraying things out and, and they've done the exact opposite. So they've basically. Cameron, Cameron Payne is their three point shooter. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, come on. I mean, that, that's, that's a joke, really. So I think that, that it's certainly all fine and good that, uh, that he's, he's, you know, he made his, he didn't play well today. There's a, there's a funny, uh, not a vine, but I guess a gif out there right now where <laughs> he's just basically fixing his socks while, well, Avery Bradley just cuts back door really quickly. Not even, didn't even notice that he had cut before him until he actually, the layup was in. I mean, it was, it was terrible, but I think he, I think Dwayne's right. This does rest on management. This does rest on ownership and, Look, nobody knows what the hell the Chicago Bulls are doing, which goes back to my larger point, which is we've been hearing for years and years and years, NBA teams shouldn't be in the middle. And yet there's this, this large class of, of the NBA media elite who keeps saying, well, I wouldn't trade Jimmy Butler if I was the Bulls. Well, what are they going to do? I mean, what assets do they have? What do they have to leverage to get other pieces in to build around him? Larry doesn't have it around Paul George. Jimmy doesn't have it in Chicago. So Gar Pax isn't going to be able to get anything around him. I mean, I just don't understand what these teams are thinking. They are, they have reached a brick wall. There is no future for them outside of that. You blow it up and you try to build something new a different way. And that may be missing the playoffs, but let's go back to 2013. Celtics were in the playoffs. They lose to the Knicks. The Celtics sell off their assets. They have a terrible year. Marcus Smart is their draft. You know, they bring in Kelly Olynyk. They sell off their assets over the course of the year. They get the sixth pick in the draft. Disappointing, yes, right? But they have assets coming. But by the time 2014 happens, they make the pick. Uh, you know, they've got, you know, they've got, uh, Smart. They've got James Young, who really did nothing for the team that entire year. And through selling off other assets, they get in the playoffs. So they had one year out of the playoffs. They're back at it, and they have a future now. And what do the Bulls have? The Bulls have nothing. <laughs> the Bulls have nobody offering them three picks <laughs> for Jimmy well, Butler. It's, they, it's a, I mean, it is different. I, but the Celtics gave or have given them a good offer for Jimmy Butler. Well, we, we don't know, know that. that. We know it's we decent, know, but we don't we know, know what it is. We know they've got a hell of a lot more future by whatever Danny's offering them than sticking with Jimmy Butler with a whole bunch of guys who aren't going to be building, aren't going to be good enough when they need to be to make, to help Jimmy Butler or Jimmy Butler's not going to be good enough by the time those guys are ready to play. They're just, they're stuck. They got to do something different. No, you're right. They're going to, they're going to be stuck in mediocrity. That's where the process came from. Some clubs are doing the process faster and better than others, but at the end we'll face one, we'll face two teams that suck at process right now anyway, but we'll see, we'll see. The 76ers might come around. They're, they're definitely interesting to watch. 
And we didn't talk about Saric and his Rookie of the Year campaign or anything on the show, but that's definitely becoming a Philadelphia narrative these days. Uh, obviously, I live down here in Pennsylvania. And one other little note, Isaiah Thomas became just the third Celtic to make 200 threes in a season on Sunday, that one coming from Sean Grandy. I think you know who's ahead of him, Antoine Walker, Paul Pierce, and then Isaiah Thomas, 2017. It's been about 15 years since there were 200 threes, but I wouldn't be surprised if next season we've got two players on the Celtics that make 200 threes in the same season. Antoine and Paul did it in 2002. could certainly happen again. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the way that this, the way the game has gone, I would suspect that if we had somebody who's going to not only play a lot of minutes too, and that's, that's one thing is that while we're, we're putting up things at a good rate, the number of minutes that Bradley obviously is reduced due to injury, Smart has, you know, his minutes aren't exactly where they need to be to, to be putting up those types of shots. Um, Crowder, same thing. A lot of injuries this year. You gotta think somebody's gonna crack that 200 mark. Next yeah, year. and Jalen Brown, I think, shooting like 50% <laughs> from three lately, actually knocking down his catch-and-shoot threes. So we'll see how that lasts. I think he played a little bit better in the starting role than he has coming off the bench. There's a little bit of an adjustment there. Totally crazy move on Sunday with that little behind-the-back wraparound uh, and crazy finish. I wouldn't advise that again with Terry Rozier completely wide open on the wing, but... Gotta live, gotta, gotta love my man's entertainment value. He's, uh, he's definitely something. So that's gonna do it for this week's show. <laughs> we had that fun. That was your weekly Jalen Brown moment. I know, you're not gonna be able to not get one little you by. Don't forget about Jalen Brown because he's the guy you're gonna trade for Jimmy Butler and I'm gonna be really upset about it. <laughs> I'm already, look. You, you've already that. packed his bag for him. You're like, later. J- July 4th, the, the scar is drafting Jason Tatum by Jalen. <laughs> nothing is healed from, from the July 4th date. All I right. can't even imagine what we're all going to have to go through. But not only me, but the listeners. It, when the day comes that Jalen Brown gets moved, it's, it's going to be sad. That's going to be one for them. We're going to, we're going to have to bring in Sam Sheehan and, uh, and, and his, uh, his <laughs> wonderful co-host. From Scorching Shamrocks here on CLNS Radio, and then Sullivan, we're going to have Sullivan. Yeah, Sullivan James Sullivan is going to have to help me with a song, a little goodbye to Jalen Brown song. If that happens, I'm actually getting tearful right now. Okay. okay, this broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as CLNSRadio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. You can support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Give us a rating and a review. We want your feedback. It's important. And a reminder that today's show was brought to you by SeatGeek Blue Apron and a new sponsor, a new one, MyBookie. Go get it. They have a great deals for all you listeners, but most importantly, you would be supporting our show and the entire CLNS Radio Network. Thanks to the loyal audience who makes it all worthwhile. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host, John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.